everybody. It's Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio, and I'm here with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Ian, another great weekend of football. Uh, dude, you got to go to that uh, Tennessee game. How was that, man? It was very fun. It was good to be back uh, back home, I should say, back with uh, fellow comrades. Uh, that was actually the joke me and my cousin made. It was like the scene in SpongeBob. We were like, greetings, comrades, because we were like one of the first people there. We got there early, and it swamp got packed, and more importantly, it got loud. Um, I actually, the day after, I woke up with like such a bad headache. I almost like I didn't take ibuprofen. I pretty much chugged it. Uh, it was because it was just so loud. It was. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way in the swamp. But it was overall a good, uh, good experience. Uh, especially you know to go back this one. That was my first time in like two years uh, to go back, especially at full capacity. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't been back in a long time, so I. I know your pain when it, when it when it's like a, a long time in between visits there. And dude, I don't think I've been back since like a, a, a real game because I've been to like two spring games a few years ago. And that was like 2015 and 16, 17, somewhere on there. And then I haven't been back to a, a, a regular Florida game at the Swamp probably since like 2011. So it's been a long time for me. You know, obviously I lived – uh, you know, here in LA, but it was also for quite a few years, I didn't have a car. So it's much more difficult to try to go to games when you don't have any transportation or any way of getting there. But anyways, dude, that's awesome. You got to go. I'm glad you got to see a big victory. We'll talk about that more in the, uh, um, uh, uh, a recap of week four, but first let's give you a little quick rundown of what we do. We are hater radio. We are a college football podcast. And brand, we talk about college football stories, particularly more of the national stories and also uh, Southern teams and, uh, you know, ACC, SEC. And we talk some Big Ten. And then we also uh, uh, talk about, uh, you know, any other national storylines that come up. So what we do each episode is we do a recap of the week prior. We do a look at the Heisman standings. We look at the possible top playoff teams. And then we also do a look ahead to the next week's games. So with that said, let's start with, oh, first, let me give the socials. Uh, you can reach us at haterradio.com where all our articles we post. Um, we did a bunch of previews for uh, quite a few teams. We did it for USF, Florida, UCLA, USC. And then we also did um, some different articles we've had in the last couple of weeks. Um, I might do one on Kentucky. So look for that. In the next couple of days, I might just discuss how oh, um, weird the rivalry's been the last couple of years where, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, uh, it was primarily Florida blowing out Kentucky. You can even go to the 80s, too, because it was a uh, 32 straight uh, game win streak. Right, you, you know, but there were there were close games along the way. Like I mean, yeah, the gap the, the gap closed. Obviously, the gap is closed. Uh, it's no longer just an easy you know blowout win anymore. Well, I mean, it, it was also the fact that you know during the Muschamp uh, McElwain era, when both those guys were coaches, their offenses sucked. So it was easier for Kentucky to like contain them because both those offenses were terrible, and so they didn't really need to like do anything spectacular they could just keep them in check and then just make a few plays and they were always right in every game and they 
probably should have won one or two more, but they haven't. They've only won one in the past like 38 years. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I tweeted something tonight about um, Matt Jones, this guy that works in Kentucky, and he uh, is a sports guy. I think he does some other stuff. Now. He might do political stuff, too, but um, he primarily did sports for a long time, and he's a huge Wildcat fan and always – pumps him up and like every year he's always like oh the wildcats are gonna upset them and like i'm like dude you say it every freaking year like it almost right he was right in 2018 one time one time i'm sorry but yeah one time and like twice a day eh? yeah i guess but it's like it's just like dude like give it a rest like if you're just constantly gonna say that and i know he's a homer and you know you expect a homer to you know pick the team that he's talking about but still like at some point you got to be, I don't know. I just, it's kind of ridiculous because there's a lot of Gator reporters and homers that, that pick against the Gators almost all the time. And so it's like, you know, it's kind of like disingenuous if you're just constantly just going to say your team is going to win when they don't. And I know some of the games have been close, but last year wasn't close. The one game in uh, 2015, that one wasn't close. So it's like, yes, there have been like a couple of close ones the last couple of years, but like there have been a lot of blowouts as well. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, we'll talk more about that game coming up. But uh, uh, the last thing before we do the uh, – um, uh, pre, uh, the recap of uh, last week. Um, you can also reach us at hater underscore radio for Twitter and Instagram and uh, hater radio one at gmail.com for our email. Uh, Ian, uh, what are your socials as well? Uh, same thing, Instagram, YouTube, uh, and Twitter, uh, G underscore gator underscore uh, G. Yeah. So look out for both of us. You know, I, I do a lot of like back and forth with everyone. So if you're going to comment, I will talk to you. I don't have a problem, you know, give, giving a back and forth conversation about whatever. And a lot of the people that I follow and then they follow me back, I've had a pretty good, you know, rapport with a lot of the people that are on there. And it's been enjoyable because there's guys, you know, like Zach Globner at uh, uh, 620 WDAE, shout out to him, mm-hmm. who I, uh, you know, interact with quite a bit. And then I actually saw him at the USF uh, Florida game and he was really cool. We talked for like 10 minutes, you know, it was the first time we met in person and like, he's cool. He's like a little bit younger than me, maybe like probably like six or seven years younger than me, but you know, he's a huge Gator fan and you know, he uh, loves talking about Florida and then, you know, just all Tampa sports as well, which is cool. Cause he's very big on Tampa sports, which is awesome to hear. And, uh, you know, some other guys, uh, you know, Gator nation football podcast, those guys are great. Shout out to them. You know, they, they, uh, James D Virgilio runs their Twitter account and he's constantly, um, you know, liking some of the stuff I tweet at them and whatever. So he's a real cool guy. And I love their, uh, analysis and everything. If you've got a chance and you're a really big Gator fan, that's a deep dive into Gator football, but definitely I recommend that if you ever get a chance to check that stuff out, cause it's very interesting. It's very nuanced. So you're going to get like a, a, like a full bore lesson into like, you know, how the D line plays gap uh, contain how, uh, you know, the zone coverage and uh, press man coverages that the uh, corners play and like what the wide receivers should be doing. So it's very like in depth. It's great. I love it. It's probably some of the best stuff out there. And also another guy that I like, but I don't interact with at all, but I just want to um, compliment him is top billing. I don't know if you've seen those Ian. 
You know who I'm talking I've about? I've heard of him. I've definitely Murph, heard of Murph. him. Yeah, dude, he does like NFL primarily now, but he will do some college stuff. Like for the last couple of years, he had been doing college as well, but he kind of got away from it. And now he's just doing NFL primary. I think he's getting paid better for the, the NFL stuff. So he still does college every once in a while. But man, his stuff, he is incredible. Like he's got like that guy. I don't know if he played or what. I don't know his backstory. But he's definitely one of the smarter guys I've seen as far as like, uh, you know, football knowledge and like what to what to see out of a quarterback. Like he he's got it down like he I'm surprised he's not a coach because he's that smart. Yeah. Um, and I'm just glad he's out there for like us plebs that don't know anything. Uh, but anyways, those are the guys I really enjoy and that you should if uh, you are a fellow football head like us, like me and Ian, you know, those are guys that you should look at and, and enjoy their stuff. So with that being said, let's do the week four pre uh, recap. Uh, first game I had was UNLV Fresno state. I actually only found like the three minute clip of the highlights. So I didn't get a full breadth of this, but uh, Fresno state wins 38 30. Um, our scores were a little off. We thought they were going to get, they were going to blow them out, but it was closer. I just, I still like this Fresno team. You know, this team is, uh, you know, uh, what's the Hainer, right? Hainer's the quarterback. Yeah. Jay, yeah. The guy Jake that got Jake yeah, Hainer. Yeah. And he's getting some pub for like Heisman possibility. And you never know. I mean, you know, they Fresno state had both car brothers and they were both number one overall picks, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't, uh, the one at the Raiders, Derek, wasn't he a number one overall pick or he's close? Uh, he might have been Derek like was the number one. Ca- I know the other one was the yeah, number one David, pick by David the Carr was number one in like 2002. Yeah, so I definitely remember that, but I can't remember if Derek was he was probably like top 10 or something like that. But regardless, Hayner has the ability to get some pub, he's doing really well, and uh, they've been winning games. They got another big game that we'll talk about in the uh, look ahead uh, coming up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting things coming from this Fresno team. Already beating UCLA, which you you know me. I'm I'm a huge UCLA fan this year. I'm loving what they're doing. And, uh, you know, to beat them on the road in their place was a really big deal. And, uh, you know, Fresno is a team to look out for. I, I don't think their schedule is, like, that difficult, so they may be able to just run through these teams. But – you know, regardless, they're a team to look out for uh, coming up, especially for, you know, it's, you know, Coastal, Cincinnati, those teams that have the possibility of that playoff. Uh, you never know with Fresno. I don't know. What what do you see out of this team? I, I will say from this game, uh, from what I saw, it was the offense taking over because the defense was really lacking. UNLV definitely was kind of hanging in there, um, and they really had no business to. Um, because UNLV with the quarterback situation, it wasn't that stable. Uh, but they were still able to get points of the bird. But uh, the offense, especially Jake Heener, uh, were able to get him. I think Heener had about five. He had over five touchdowns. He accounted for every touchdown. Uh, in the game for, for Fresno State, and he had nearly 400 yards. Um, and that so, so they kind of just relied on the offensive attack. But I'm with you, yeah. Fresno State, uh, definitely can make a running uh, in the Mountain West uh, conference. Um, and potentially be one of those group of five schools to get a major, uh, you know, New Year's Six Bowl. And they're, uh, they have a, a big one against a, you know, Power Five group against USC. That win is a bit, you know, linted with USC's loss last weekend. Oh, um, I know. I keep getting them mixed up. My bad. Sorry. I, I, I 
keep thinking it was UCLA, but no, no, no. USC lost to Stanford. Yeah, UCLA. and Fresno State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fr- yeah Fresno, Fresno State beat UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. many U and C I know, and it's, A's in that. There, there's so many <laughs> California teams. It's crazy to keep yeah. track of them all. Yeah, but that's what I would say was that the you know the offense uh, definitely shelled out. It was a uh, very good offensive uh, performance to you know keep them in it because I know in the first quarter they were down like fourteen nothing, which they shouldn't have. So they were able to you know bounce back uh, and have a great second half. Uh, they look like one of those you know prototypical second half teams uh, that can get the job done, especially through the air. You know their uh, their only loss is to Oregon, and I didn't even realize they had a loss. But the to lose to a top and they were playing team. close to Oregon as well. Yeah, it was a, a seven point game. So, you know, if you have a loss as a, you know, an, a group of five team, you're more than likely not going to be able to get to the playoff, but it does bode well for possible New Year's Six Bowl, um, especially like something like a Fiesta Bowl, which that would definitely be a bowl that would take a team like Fresno because they're local to the area, you know, they're mm-hmm. West Coast. So their schedule bodes well for them. There's not anyone too difficult. I think the biggest challenge will be Boise State, which that doesn't seem that difficult of a game. I actually – um I wish this game was another weekend, but they're playing San Diego State uh, at San Diego State. And I would love to go to that game because just, you know, to watch a San Diego State game and like, um, but uh, that's the day of the Florida, Georgia. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not missing that. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, you know, Florida, Georgia would be at 330. Yeah, three thirty. So it'd be twelve here. Oh, I could go to that still because the game is seven thirty Pacific time. So that's yeah, that's much later. So I could still get to that. Um, that's possible. I don't know. I, I may do it. Uh, who knows? Okay, so let's move on. Uh, next one: Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Now, I I will say this: we both picked Wisconsin, and we both thought that they were not going to steamroll them, but it was going to be you know relative you know, Wisconsin was going to take over. And I didn't have any faith in Notre Dame. And honestly, you know, watching the game, I have less of a, like, stamp of approval for Notre Dame and more of a Mertz was just terrible. Like, god-awful. Like, I've, I've he seen is, that. Uh, passing, yeah, efficiency wasn't good. Dude, he had like at least four interceptions. And then like I saw all of his passes were like if it was over 10 yards, it was way off or intercepted. And then like most of his passes that were completed were like uh, five yard dump offs to running backs and tight ends. There was nothing like substantial about his passing yardage. And I was just like, this guy... I thought he was supposed to be much better than this, and he was terrible. And uh, Notre Dame, you know, for the most part, the game was close, like into the fourth quarter. You know, they and get they, that, and they just exploded in the fourth yeah, quarter. They got that kickoff return for a touchdown, and it was like, okay, they got the lead. But then it was like that was only a four it was point all, lead. All, yeah, it was all all downhill from there. Yeah, but it was still close. So I was like, okay, Wisconsin, you know, let's see what they can do here, and. Mertz just shit the bed completely. And it was just like, 
utterly terrible. I've, you know, I was like, that's probably one of the worst quarters of football I've seen a team play. And it was specifically just Mertz. I didn't really think the rest of the team was that bad. You know, the defense for Wisconsin was okay most of the game. I just think like Mertz just put them in a terrible situation the whole time. And it was, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely not buying anything that Wisconsin is selling and I'm still not buying anything Notre Dame is selling, but they don't play anyone the rest of the year. So it's like, you know, they're going to play USC. Like dude, USC is, you know, and I know we're trying to get more USC fans on here, but I'm just sorry, but they're just, they're not having that good of a year this year. And it's really difficult um, for like Notre Dame to get some a reputation. Okay, never mind. I forgot about this other game. But yes, n- you know Notre Dame has a couple more games. Actually, it's a very difficult schedule. I'm gonna recant that. I just thought USC was the only main one, but there's quite a bit well, more. It is. That's like the traditional one they always play every year. Yeah, is, uh, but, USC. Yeah, right. And just the one that really stands out. We'll talk about later. But uh, you know. But they they are playing UNC in Virginia and Virginia Tech, so that's three decent opponents, and then also Stanford. So Stanford's they're also playing Cincinnati as well, which is ironic. I know I didn't, didn't want to say it, but, team. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but that's that's coming up. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the because uh, that's the game next week. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that later. But uh, okay, so let's move on. Well, actually, what are your thoughts on this game? I know I was rambling on. I just wanted to give my piece about Mertz. No, I'm with you. The the problem was with this game was that it, you know, Wisconsin is not, you know, historically known to be, you know, an offensive team. So once Notre Dame pretty much put enough points on the board, because I remember um, on the car ride to Gainesville, we had those games on our, you know, on our phones um, and I was watching it. And I remember thinking once that kick returned for a touchdown, I think Notre Dame scored another touchdown. I thought that's it. They crossed like the threshold to win a game against Wisconsin. If you can score more than, 24 or 28 points that's not a whole lot the offense can do uh mm-hmm. for wisconsin because they're known for you know their smash mouth defense and if the defense gives up that many points there's just not a whole lot you know they can come back from um with that so and you know i'm with you i'm not still overly impressed with either team notre dame you know they had that was probably their best quarter of the year quarter of the year uh it was like the most consistent quarter they've had all year. And it was the only, ironically, the time they blow a team out is in the last phase of the game. Um, But I'm still not overly impressed with them. Um, You know, I, you know, they are still undefeated, but a lot of those wins, I always remember, you know, at least if we were still in the BCS standards, there would always be like the point for like quality wins. Um. Yeah, Notre Dame has, doesn't really have a lot of those right now. Uh, so they haven't had a real quality win. They had this win against Wisconsin, which is a good win. But uh, for the remaining schedule, they'll have to, you know, show more for me to really, you know, buy into what they're selling this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's the, like, disease the media has, you know, that they cannot, like – like objectively talk about Notre Dame, whatever reason they always have to hype them up because they know there's a lot of Notre Dame fans. They're a very national brand. So if they're any kind of decent, they talk them up like they're the best fucking team and it never works out. 
You know, 2012, they get blown out against Alabama when they get into the BCS championship game. The last two times they've been in the playoffs, blown out in both games. You know, it's just, it's frustrating as a fan of college football that we are force fed this garbage of a team that cannot compete on a high, an elite level. And we're force fed in them in the playoffs every time, just because they have a presence. They have, you know, they're basically their own network on NBC, which is ridiculous. That even still exists. I don't know why NBC does it, why they pay that much money. You know, when this, whenever this contract ends up, I'm almost positive that NBC will stop paying it because it makes no sense to pay that much money for one team that like, I don't know. I, I guess they will. I mean, who knows? They may get huge numbers. It is one of the most recognizable brands yeah, in I, but sport. I just, I just don't see, I, I just, I do see why I understand it, but it's just, it's still frustrating as someone who, you know, me and you like to think objectively as much as we can. And we, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, we're, we are naturally biased and we know that. And we, I think do a better job of trying to look at things because we admit our biases, you know, we're Gator fans, we're USF fans, you know, we don't like Florida state. We don't like Georgia, you know, we admit those things so that it's, at least in front of the screen, in front of your eyes. And like when you're listening to what we're saying, you know, you can take it everything with a grain of salt instead of just, you know, these media people who tout up and put up Notre Dame, like they're these like end all be alls when they haven't won a championship in almost as long as Georgia has. 89, I believe was yeah, uh, so, their last, well, and on Aces. Yeah. Yeah. It was like was 88, their, uh, yeah. 88 was their last national championship. Right, and I think Georgia they have was, not won a outright because this that was before not technically national championship games. Yeah, but they was still they, I don't. It was even, a national championship. Yeah, but even like when they had the bowl alliance, they were still not. They didn't win any of those, so they don't have a championship since '88, and so that's that's near that's over 30 years. That's 33 years ago. That's a long fucking time to be basically irrelevant. And I know they're. They can beat some teams and granted that's fine, but they're basically Iowa. Like, why do we have to fucking tout up Iowa? We know Iowa who is who they are every once in a while. They'll have a good team, but they don't deserve to be in the forefront of everything we do regarding decision-making for the playoffs regarding everything. I don't understand it. I don't know why we have to deal with it. It's frustrating as a fan because it's like, I want the teams that are good in there. So regardless of, you know, their record, you know, their record is always skewed. And, you know, I just don't, I don't feel they deserve it, you know? And I just feel like I would rather have like last year, I would have rather had Iowa state in there. And you know it as well, that Iowa state would have been a much better team to watch go up against one of those teams, or even Oklahoma, one of those two teams should have been in that spot. And it would have been much better than watching Notre Dame get destroyed again. And, and the game could have been way worse. I think Saban was like taking it easy on them. and was like, there was like a leash there. That's what I'm saying. They got to a certain point. They're like, you know what? They're not going to come back. These guys suck. Ian books, a garbage quarterback. And you know what? We don't have to worry about this team. And that's what they did. And it's just like, I don't know, man, it's just frustrating because it's like, 
as a as like a fan of college football, we would be so much better off if we didn't have to deal with that in every situation we have to talk about nationally. It's like, and the they the people on ESPN they always kiss their ass. Always, it's like this. Like I don't know what it is. I really don't understand it. You know, and it's just just frustrating. All right, we're got, we're gonna move on because I've been talking about this for way too long. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, next one. I like this game. This is an interesting game, especially what happened last year when um, Mississippi State threw for like 700 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, LSU against Mississippi State. Uh, LSU wins 28-25. It was closer than probably the score. or I mean, not as close as the score was saying because LSU was in control of the game. But Mississippi State didn't give up and was, you know, there till the very end. But it's just like if they had like, they had some opportunities early in the game where they had like they were driving in the first uh, the first possession of the game and they and fumbled then a fumble it. and it was like oh my god and I knew right away I'm like this is not good because I was like that's that's that was points right there that they just basically shit away and I'm like not a good start because you you got to take your points especially because LSU can score and it's mm-hmm. like you got to be able to keep up with them you got to take advantage of every opportunity you yeah. can you can't just give away possessions like that especially when they were on their side of the 40 when it's like you're moving you're getting close and it's like ah i was like and then there was a there was something else i can't remember what happened i think it was another interception or something and i was just like god man they were just giving away possessions here and like lsu was doing stuff but at the fourth quarter mississippi state was able to stop them and they were getting to the point where it was coming down to the wire but you know onside kick and whatever, but it just was too little too late. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I LSU has a tough schedule. Mississippi state's got a tough schedule. You know, when you're in the West, you just play a lot of teams that, you know, are going to bring the pain. And, you know, this is, this is one of those years where it's like, you know, there are no gimmies in the West. No, I mean, I think the worst team right now in the West is probably Auburn. And they're not a terrible team. Yeah, objectively, they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, they, you know, they lost to Penn State close. But then this past week, they were really kind of bad against Georgia State. So, it was like, I don't know. They, uh, Bo Nix, I think, got benched. He did. And it just, yeah. Uh, so, it's Finley. like, I don't even know what's going to go on there. If he's going to keep, if Finley's going to keep playing or what. But uh, Auburn is just kind of a mess. Um, it's a new coaching uh you know, tenure. So it's like, you know, you don't know really what to expect first year head coach at a, at a place. So it, who knows, but I like Lane Kiffin. I like what Sam Pittman is doing. We'll talk about, you know, Pittman in a second, but uh, um, Mike Leach, even I like what he's doing. It's just, it's tough at Mississippi state. Cause you know, even Dan Mullen had a hard time, you know, being competitive year in and year out. It's just a very, difficult place to recruit players to, but um, I don't know. LSU we'll see. They'll play Ole Miss and um, Arkansas. We'll see if they're a real team and Alabama, you know, we'll see how good they are. Uh, I not a big fan of A&M and we'll talk about that in a second, but you know, you know, I'll, I'll give my opinion on that, but uh, let's move on to uh, SMU TCU. Did you watch this one at all? Did you get a chance to see this? I was able to watch it. Yeah. It was uh this was like a prototypical, like old school Southwest Conference shootout, and just SMU took control. That they 
came in. They looked like they were like a team on a mission in that game. They were like their objective was to embarrass that TCU team in front of their fans. <laughs> yeah, it looked um, like it. They, it definitely did. <laughs> and they did everything they possibly could uh, to uh, do that. And they did. And you know, like I said, it was a shootout of a game. Um, and you know, I knew that going in with uh, those two. Um, a lot of the passing uh, attack was very. Uh, a lot of the uh, how should I describe the placement of the ball? Like a lot of those back shoulder plays were very good, um, especially for SMU and uh, Mordecai. Mordecai had a very, it was a very up and down game because he, I know he threw for three interceptions, but it was like the yin yang was the four touchdowns, but really it was the rushing attack uh, by SM uh, by SMU that was able to overcome uh, any uh, to really overcome those turnovers. Uh, Cause I believe uh, Bentley of SMU had like 150 plus yards um, in that in the receiving core as well. It was just overall a really good team win for SMU and they were just able to outlast TCU and in uh, that I believe, man, SMU almost had like 600 yards uh, in total offense. Um and I think like possession time too, they had a slight edge of possession time, which was obviously key to keep the ball away from TCU because uh, TCU was uh, in it from the very get-go. But once the second half started, SMU just started to pull away at that point. Yeah, they had 595 uh, total yards, which is quite impressive. That's really good balance between the passing yards and the rushing because they had 350 rushing. Uh, yeah, time of possession, they were up 33-52 to 26-08. So, yeah, they had the time of possession. Uh, they had a lot less penalties, which that's always key. Um, yeah, the interceptions, that's not good. You know, three, you know, you're lucky to survive a game if you're throwing three interceptions. That's like the that's like almost like the nail in the coffin. If you have like, you know, three or more turnovers, you're more like more than likely gonna lose a game. But yeah. they were they were eight of twelve on third down, which is huge, and they had twenty nine first downs. So, you know, and eighty total plays. If you're you know running a lot more plays than the other team, that's always a good thing. Even though it they definitely giving, didn't give a lot of opportunities for TCU to answer back as quickly as TCU wanted to. Yeah, 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 and it definitely you know total plays is a difference, especially um, if you're running that much more plays. Okay, so. I'm going to talk about them later because we're going to talk about the USF SMU game coming up. But uh, let's talk about the big one. I think the biggest one of the day because the rest of them were good. But uh, I think this is the biggest game of the day. Uh, the Probably the one that proved us both right. I thought it was going to be more of an ass kicking, but I think it was very close to being ass kicking if – Things had gone their way. Just like KJ Jefferson got hurt. So that was really the difference there. Why it wasn't mm-hmm. like a bigger blowout, but Arkansas beats Texas A&M except for one long touchdown run by Spiller. Uh, that game would have been basically a blowout, uh, but they win 20 to 10. We both had this as an upset. Both were correct. And uh, you know, I am, I am buying this team. If there is a team to buy in the SEC right now, it is this fucking team. Like, that is a complete team. I think this team is a big, a better complete team than even Alabama. And I think highly of Alabama, but I think Arkansas, like, they're, you know, Jefferson has command of that offense. Probably 
better than any other quarterback, I think, in the country right now, as far as like being able to run the RPO and get the deep ball passing. And then their uh, Burks is unreal. Like the kid is just, you know, a fucking speed demon and down, oh, yeah. he's down, down the field. Like the second, the ball is hiked and it's almost impossible to stop him. Um, we'll talk about the injuries in that game. Cause I actually have a, uh, something that just got updated uh, a little bit ago. And we'll talk about that in the, in the, uh, um, the look ahead game. But uh, I'm, I am buying this team. I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot more they're going to do this year. I think they can get eight, nine wins, which considering that they only won two games two years ago, that is massively impressive. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really like amazed at Sam Pittman, you know, the guy, he's just a good head coach. They're like, there's something about the fact that he had to be an offensive line coach and like learn all this stuff. And he just knows how to be a coach. And then just, you know, there's some guys that are offensive minded and defensive minded and they're just whatever. And then there's just some of those coaches that are like able to be a head coach and designate stuff for people to do. So right now, um, What's his face? Odom, the DC from uh, the former Missouri head coach. Yeah. You know, he's, dude, killing it with their defense. Like, just phenomenal job. Probably either going to get a really great DC job or probably get another head coaching job because of this. I don't know if he's going to get another head coaching job just because he had such a, like, you know, such a good situation at Missouri and he totally ruined. But, um, no, just phenomenal job. And I have not liked AM either. I thought they were a fraud all year. I was like, how is this team in the top 10? They don't like, and they were close to being a top five team. And I'm like, they should not even be close to the playoff. And they're going to lose at least two more games. And it's like, why would anyone think so highly of them? I don't, it, it all had to do with last year because they went uh, nine and one and so, or 10 and one. So they're like, oh, this team's going to do great this year. No, 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 no. That was a mirage because they got, you know, they barely beat Florida last year. And then, um, you know, the, the, the SEC West was a little down, you know, LSU was terrible. And, uh, you know, if it was, if it was a normal year, like it's going to be this year, they're not going to be Ole Miss. I'm almost guaranteeing that Ole Miss will beat A&M. And then uh, they probably won't beat Alabama. It's pretty much a guarantee there. And then they already lost to Arkansas. Who else can they lose to? They probably lose to, um, I don't know, maybe even LSU this year. But regardless, I'm not an A&M fan. I think Jimbo is very highly overrated. You know, some people really love him. It's just not me. I don't know. What did you see in this game? So this one I saw was more so for the defense than it was for the offense. Because once Arkansas took that 17-3 to lead and went into halftime with it, they just went into, like, you know, damage control. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, they did yeah, give but, up that but, big red. But but Jefferson got hurt, though. And that was exactly. the difference. Yes. If he doesn't get hurt, I think they score at least 35 points against them. And it was – they were having their way with them. And A&M wasn't doing anything. Well, that's because the defense wasn't allowing anything. I know they gave up that big run to Spiller. But they knew very well – um, as soon going into that game that Isaiah Spiller was the engine that makes that offense run. So if you can contain him 
you can contain that offense because even a and M they were, you know, their, you know, starting cornerback has been out. Um, and, uh, Calzada was, uh, in and Calzada did the best he could, but when you're, you know, really the main, you know, focus was on Isaiah Spiller and it became a very one dimensional offense for a and Um, I think, I don't even think Spiller got over a hundred yards, which is surprising. 95. 95 yeah. 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 Just um, barely didn't. Which is uh, which is very surprising. So that was the thing is um, once the injury happened, but once they had that lead and they gave up that touchdown, they Arkansas just you know pretty much put the wall up and said you're not getting anything the rest of the game, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I was very impressed more of Arkansas's offense in response to adversity uh, of anything in this game, unable to um, you know find out what was the thing that A and M was going to have to need to do to win this game that was going to have to rely on Isaiah Speller. And obviously they were able to throw a wrench into that uh, situation. Um, Cause they, you know, A&M did everything they could to get that offense going and they couldn't. Um, it was a very tight game towards the end, but once, you know, Arkansas, you know, kicked the field goal in the fourth quarter to make it two possession game. There, there was nothing A&M can do at that point. They, they weren't going to score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Arkansas. Yeah, and the backup for Arkansas—I don't even know his name—but he came in and did Thompson as well as and could. I think Thompson. There are two of them. Thompson and Hornsby were the two that came in. They had two guys come in besides after Jefferson got hurt. I didn't even realize that. I thought because I, I was kind of like in between things, so I only got to see a little bit of it the second half. Um, but no, uh, they did remarkably well considering what you know being forced into you know come in cold. So. Um, I didn't realize how bad um, uh, Arkansas's third down efficiency was. They were three of 13, which that's amazing that they were still that proficient offensively with that few of third downs converted. That just shows that they were gaining so many yards on first and second, most of those to be able to, because they had still had 21st down. So that's still a decent amount, uh, you know, but, you know, with that, like with AM, you know, their third down was terrible as well. So if they weren't able to convert their third downs, that was the problem because they were in, they weren't getting first downs on first and second downs. So they were behind the eight ball most of the time. And so they, even though both were bad converting third downs, you know, uh, Arkansas was converting first downs on first and second. So that was a difference there. Uh, very similar time of possession. One turnover between the two of them, which I don't know if you saw that interception. It was kind of, I don't know. I, 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 I did you think yeah. it was an interception. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was close. I, I, I had called an interception. I think it could have gone either way, but uh, it's a, it was a judgment call. Yeah, it say, was. Yeah. And I think, I think they called an interception on the field. So naturally, you know, if there's not enough to overturn it, that's what's going to happen. Unlike the Auburn game where that third down was. Clearly not oh, a catch, yeah. but somehow I don't know. I, I I didn't see the whole details with that one, but that was just it looked terrible. But uh all right, let's move on. We'll talk more about Arkansas at the end. Uh, but let's move on to, 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 to Rutgers, Michigan. This is another one at the same time. Uh we both thought that Rutgers was gonna win, but Michigan pulls the old victory, and they actually were ahead most of the game. Rutgers came back. And the uh, 
tail end of the third and the fourth to make it competitive. But, you know, Michigan looked pretty good. You know, we're able to make some plays early and then hold Rutgers off. So, again, let me see Michigan play a better team. I know Rutgers is moving in the right direction, but they're not – they're not quite there yet. They're like still a year or two away from being really competitive. Cause what, this is Shiano's first year back, right? I think um, I'm almost positive. This is his first year. Back. This, well, I, I, I don't know if he was there last year. I think I, I thought don't he was there he, last year. I don't think he was there last year. I'm almost positive. He came back this year. Let me see. Cause he, um, he was at Ohio state for a long time. And uh, he, um, Let's see what it says. Oh, no, he was there last year. You're right. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so the last year they went three and six. So it was kind of a bad year, but they're three and one so far. Um, I could see them doing better this year and then doing really well next year because they had, when he was at Rutgers, he had, let's see. He had an 11 2 year, 8 and 5, 8 and 5, 9 and 4. God, he. <laughs> How did he get the Bucks job, man? I don't understand that. <laughs> he went 4 and 8 uh, two years before getting the Bucks job. Like, how are you a, a Bucks like, GM or owner and being like, hmm. He just went four and eight. Maybe we should hire him. You know, <laughs> I mean that was. I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised knowing the Bucks back then. But yeah, I that was they the were, other thing. Yeah, no, no, just they were so terrible during that run from like 07 to like 2019. It was just, it was, it was just something like it was like it was laughable. And it was like you know what really sucks is they weren't like out of a lot of stuff because there were some years where they would win like nine, 10 games. And it was just like, they just couldn't get over the hump, you know, Josh, uh, Josh Freeman and then Jameis Winston. And it was like, these guys just, I don't know. And like, they didn't draft well, you know, that no. was really the biggest problem. Cause for years they were drafting guys and they'd go through a draft and like, one player would make the team or like stay after their, their rookie contract. And it was like, yeah, you can't do that and succeed in the NFL unless you uh, really get more. All right. We're going down a buck's hole, but we yeah. got to move on. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So anything from that game that stands out to you, uh, Michigan wise or Rutgers wise? I, I remember, I don't think I did pick Rutgers in this one. I think I did pick Michigan, uh, but I remember I have seen it as this you game. Picked- I have it as you picked Rutgers, but I might have I could have picked the uh, like switch the scores. I don't think I I'm I'm I, I might have. Uh, I was really tired that I, night. It said uh, it, it says thirty seven twenty two, and I, I I could have been wrong because sometimes you know I'm not perfect, so like you know I could have put it on there wrong. It might have. It might have. It, uh, yeah. The the point being, although my review of this game was it was a very good thing that Michigan was not playing a higher level team because Rutgers was doing a very good job of controlling the Michigan offense and holding them. Michigan had, you know, they went up to a 20 to three lead uh, going into halftime and then Rutgers just turned it on. I believe Rutgers had more yards and even more time of possession. Um, They were kind of outplaying them in the second half. Um, And it got, you know, pretty scary there, especially during the last drive because it became a it became a one touchdown game. Uh, But luckily the defense was able to hold on to that one. So, for Michigan, it's, you know, 
it's a win, but it is not an impressive win to say the least. They definitely need to, you know, work, you know, work on the offense to keep it at a high level because I've, I've seen once this offense gets out of rhythm, it just falls apart. So they need to find a way to, you know, to keep the offense in rhythm and because uh, you can't always rely on the defense to stop everybody. So when they continue to on this big 10 schedule, uh, the main thing will be, you know, keep the offense in rhythm, uh, make sure the running attack is still effective um, and make sure uh, especially that, you know, you can answer the call once if the defense does not, uh, you know, get the big stops. Dude, they had like uh, such big performances against terrible teams that they like, we're leading the nation in rushing attack. And then get, guess how much total yards they had rushing against Rutgers. Just like, give me a guess ballpark. Um, Don't look it up. Cause I know you have your computer right there. We just guess rushing. I'm going to assume maybe like 120. Yeah. Almost dead on 112. Like, Hey, yeah. And that, <laughs> I, that's when I, when I saw that last week that they, that they were one of the number one rushing teams, I'm like, this is a mirage. This is no way this is going to continue. And of course they got proved to be the frauds that they are. They only had, they only had 275 total yards. That's terrible. Like Florida puts up, I know Florida has been on this like great streak of like 400 plus yards and like every game in the last, like, I don't know, like 12 games or something like that. Something ridiculous, but yeah, it's a, know, it's, it's a positive trend there. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I guess we're spoiled with Dan Mullen. Cause he's definitely, I would say top three offensive mind in all of college football. And uh, you know, it's just, I don't like bad football and like, you know, big 10 football is this stuff is 112 yards rushing and they get the win, you know, like that's, I don't know. I'm just, I, ugh, I don't know. 270 total, 275 total yards. It's ugly. I don't want to watch that stuff. And I do because we have to talk about it, but it's like, it's really ugly football. All right. And football teams that I do enjoy Iowa state, Iowa state played Baylor and uh, it came up short. We both had thinking that we're going to win this one. Baylor wins 31 29. And now Iowa state is in trouble you know, with everything now. So I don't know what's going on there. They had everyone come back. It's just, it doesn't look good. I don't know. Brock Purdy didn't look good. It's just, it's terrible. I'm, I feel really bad for their fans because it's, they were expecting a lot out of this year. And, you know, now it's basically, I don't know. I don't even know what you do with the rest of the year. You know, how this year is basically a bust. And, you know, what, where do you go from here? I, I don't know. I will say with this game because I this one I was able to catch on the way back. Um, the, I, I I'm feeling bad is a definitely an appropriate word for it because Iowa State. If you if you know I I was watching the game and I saw the end of game stats. Iowa State almost had like double the amount of yards um, Baylor had, and they had yeah, they way did. more time of possession. Yeah, and all that stuff. They just couldn't capitalize on the opportunity. The problem was the defense definitely let them down in critical situations. Um, and the offense just wasn't able to res- um, respond in time and take advantage uh, when they could. Um, it, you know, 
I will give credit to, you know, to Baylor, despite, you know, they did not have the best game, but they were able to, you know, come up with the big stops and the big plays when necessary. They got the big plays uh, when Iowa State couldn't. Uh, They definitely got, you know, the lucky bounces in that, uh, especially on the two point conversion. Um, You know, they had a a kickoff return for a touchdown. That's huge right there. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. It's. I just feel bad for Iowa State because they had such high hopes, and it's like now they're at two and two. Like, where do you go from here? You know, I mean, there's always a slim chance that you could win, run the table, win the big Big Twelve, and maybe if things go your way, get in the playoff. But I mean, it's they still have to play Oklahoma. They still have to play Oklahoma State. You know, those are two tough games. I just don't see it at this point. I really don't. Um, yeah, same okay. here. All right, so next one, we got uh, Clemson going up against NC State. And guess what? We were both right. We this both one we did. picked we, we both the, upset. the upset. Yeah. NC State wins 27-21. And, you know, I wasn't far off from the score. I had 24-17, and you were 31-28. You thought they were going to score more, but – I think going into overtime, that really kind of skews the numbers a little bit there. Because wasn't it like 14-14 at the end of regulation? Oh, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, was, um, it was 14-14 going into overtime. Yeah. So, like, you know, the overtime numbers even skews that because if, like, that guy uh, – I can't remember his name – that kicked the – that missed the field goal. If he makes the field goal at the end there, it's only 17-14. So, it's even closer game. And then it's also a lo- much lower score. Uh, but, you know, I I think we – you know, we're – very attuned to what goes on with college football. And I'm not like tuning our horn. I'm just like, we watch as much as maybe as anyone, you know, like, and we're both very knowledgeable of these teams and just, we knew what was going on with Clemson. We didn't like what they did last week against Georgia tech. It didn't look that great. And it didn't look good again. You know, they are a sloppy team. Their offensive line is not good. Um, You know, uh, uh, ukulele or ukulele or whatever his name is um he's just he's struggling you know considering how well he played against notre dame uh last year in relief of uh uh, trevor lawrence he's really struggled in a lot of these games against georgia he was terrible um he only had 111 yards against nc state on saturday um i don't know it's uh it i don't see them doing much better this year i can see another loss somewhere i don't know who but i can see another loss somewhere um nc state offense continues to struggle i mean it is very likely oh yeah and and nc state dominated this game they almost doubled up their yards and they were 11 for 21 on third downs that's huge and their time of possession was 41 minutes to 18 that was the biggest thing of the game ridiculous that is like unheard of that was the biggest thing of man that was the biggest stat of the game um because this one we were uh we were actually i was actually in the swamp and we were you know putting the game on before the game started um and i saw the time of possession and i was like that's the reason nc state's still in this thing and that's the reason nc state you know could win this is because they didn't give clemson a chance um i think this is more so of the uh you know i'm not you know i don't want to say this is you know 
ukuleles, you know, oh, the offense is bad because of him. Everybody's pointing the finger at him. Uh, and I do understand. I don't think, obviously, he's as good as a quarterback as maybe Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson. Uh, but the fact that you can hit, you know, I think, you know, the standard of it being, you know, the quarterback play at Clemson has been, you know, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So they thought naturally Ugoeli would follow up. And I don't think Ugoeli is as good of a player. I still think he is a good player. He shows his potential. The problem is, I think everybody can agree, is that the offensive line just does not give him it's enough terrible. time in the pocket. We saw it last year when he did play and when he did have time in the pocket and did not have to force the ball uh, when he wanted to and just goes through, you know, his progression and stays in rhythm them he could be effective uh very effective but the problem is is when you know the line breaks down and he gets pressured and stuff and i think that every team has seen that too is that all you have to do is you know push the line against him and get him uncomfortable um so you can force these bad balls and i, I mean every quarterback many quarterbacks suffer from that so that's nothing new um so i think that's the biggest thing is that clemson is just you know the offensive line has you know Taken. You want to talk about drop offs? I want to talk about the quarterback drop off. I'll talk about the offensive line drop off because um, it is, you know, not been there. But you, you know, you're exactly right too. Um, with time of possession, you know, NC State control the game and they did not give and you know Clemson a chance um, to possibly answer back and score. They kept that as low and controlling of a game as possible. And I remember in the fourth quarter, I when it was 14-14, I said they have NC State has Clemson right where they want them. <laughs> um, and I thought like NC State would, you know, maybe score and then, the, you know, try to, you know, limit, you know, the talent of the offense um, and that. But I will also credit the NC State uh, offense as well. Uh, you know, the play of uh, Leary, um, the quarterback, as well as uh, Pearson. Uh, Pearson, I know, didn't have a lot of yards, but the way the offense was run – was able to, you know, to just keep the ball out of hands as Clemson as much as possible. That might have been the strategy too. Clemson has a lot of talent on there, regardless of how they're playing. Don't give them a chance to show it off and win it based on that. Yeah, and Leary is definitely a very solid quarterback. I mean, he had that bad injury last year, but, uh, you know, he's done quite well. You know, I mean, they only have that loss to Mississippi State and um, – you know, they looked really good against USF early in the year. They smoked them. And then um, I'm trying to think their other game. But, you know, they they beat Clemson. You know, now they're number 23 in the country. We'll see where they go from here. You know, they're in the, the driver's seat for that division in the ACC. So you could see them come out of there. I don't know who they're going to play. If they get to the championship game, it might be like – could be – Vatek, possibly. I think Vatek's probably the best team out of there, but we'll see. Vatek's lost a few games here, or one at least. Uh, but uh, let's move on. So let's talk about uh, my surprise team out of the West, UCLA, besides Fresno State. UCLA, Stanford, uh, UCLA wins 35-24. I'm just... I know these guys are good, you know, We were, and we were both close. I was 35-22, you were 32-20. So it was like both of us were really close with this one. We called it pretty much. Um, I just like this team. I like Charbonneau. I like uh, DTR. And I like that uh, Phillips kid, man, the wide receiver. Damn, that yes. kid is good, man. He's making like a ton of plays. Like he is just all over the field. Everything they ask him to do, he's doing it. And he's just killing it i mean 
probably one of the better receivers out there. And if I wasn't like knowledgeable of UCLA, you probably wouldn't even know who this kid is. And it's because he's a West coast team that they don't, they don't talk about him nationally. And it's like, damn, this kid is fucking good, man. He's got like, I've seen like almost every game I've watched them. He's had like at least a touchdown or two. And it's like, this kid's gotta be, uh, you know, like the scouts, the NFL scouts got to be checking him out because he's killing it. Um, anything in this game that stands out to you besides just UCLA getting back to form? I will say with UCLA, it was a good win, but I did notice um, with this one is that they definitely kind of let Stanford, they left the door open there uh, for Stanford. Yeah, they, for sure. Yeah, they had, you know, they had that lead and, you know, the the offense was clicking and it was running. It was all in UCLA's control. And then at a halftime, um, especially in the third and going into the fourth quarter, you know, they, they just kind of got lackadaisical um, and lethargic. They couldn't, you know, find a way, you know, to just get back in rhythm. And Stanford pounced all over them and was able to tie the game um, with that. Uh, but UCLA, you know, woke up and was able to, you know, run away with it and get the touchdown, uh, a few touchdowns and put it out of, uh, you know, out of reach. Uh, but I will say, you know, as good as UCLA, you know, did play and they did have a good game. Um, it wasn't, you know, the, you know, you can't have an inconsistent, ask Mississippi State, you cannot have an inconsistent game uh, to be moving up. I think that, you know, went their lesson last week of getting upset. You have to be consistent uh, throughout the quarters uh, and not leave the door open for another light like, for these teams to get back. Cause UCLA was definitely a better team than Stanford. Uh, but you, I mean, if you're UCLA, you don't want to give Stanford any chance of thinking that because at that point, you know, it gets scary once those teams tie it. Uh, Cause they have all the momentum at that point. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was close at points, but, uh, you know, UCLA took it over at the end. But the time of possession was uh, quite in UCLA's favor. So it was like, you know, UCLA controlled the the, the ball as much as they could. And uh, I don't know. I, I just like this team. I like Chip Kelly, and I like the, the team that he's put together. Um one loss is not the end of the world, especially now looking at it to Fresno State, who's a quality team. Like, if they just keep winning, they control their own destiny at this point because, you know, they just have to do what they're doing. And they're offensively, they're sound. They, they, they're able to move the ball any way. They're able to throw the ball. They're able to run the ball. So they're able to do both on like anyone. And, uh, you know, the defense is sound enough to keep them in every game. Um, I like UCLA. I like what their potential is even more every week. I get more and more impressed, even though they lost to Fresno state, I'm still impressed with how, how well this team is doing. And they're just removed. You know, they're, uh, they're not that far removed from, three wins, four win teams. Like that's crazy, dude. Like they were garbage the last three years. And now they're like potentially going to be a PAC 12 champion, which is yeah. amazing. Amazing job. I'm, and I'm glad for Chip Kelly. Cause it looked really rough. Like they weren't going to be able to do it. And he's, he's really stuck with it. And I'm glad they're uh, the administration stuck with him. Cause it looks very good now. All right. Moving on to the uh, our cornerstone game, our Tennessee-Florida 
used to be a huge rivalry game. The game you went to, we both were very close to the score. Ian, you were like dead on for Florida score. Me, and, then, and off by me a and my cousin goal. had the exact same score. I remember we were driving to the game and he goes, I think we're going to win 38 to 17. And I was like, <laughs> did you listen to my podcast or something? Cause that was my score. And I, I was close too. Cause I was only a field goal off Florida. And then I had the same, 17 points as you for Tennessee. So I was a field goal off both. So I was close. So yeah. So Florida wins 38, 14. Um, Emory got co-offensive player of the week for the sec. Um, you know, Gervin Dexter had a huge game. Uh, the running backs were solid. Uh, you know, defense had some lapses as far as, uh, coverage, mm-hmm. There was a couple of plays, a couple of two big plays that really led to why Tennessee was uh, had 14, a 14-10 lead at one point. But, you know, if those plays don't happen, those are like at least like 90 yards probably that came between the two plays. Like that means that Tennessee would only had like 300 yards total and like like 300 yards total is not that bad to give up to a team that's a better offensive team than they've been the last couple Most of years. Most of the yardage Tennessee did get was from those big plays. And that was the thing the defense yeah. was able to rein in on during after those, uh, especially after the second quarter. Yeah, uh, was exactly. that They were able, they weren't able throughout that whole game. They were able to control the consistent play of the offense, but they weren't able to, you know, rein in as much of the big play. And, uh, you know, they did have some close calls where they were like, you know, balls that were the the were, the receivers had beaten the DB or the linebacker. And yeah, there were a lot of overthrown and balls and, they, and stuff. They were overthrown got, got scary. or drop balls. So it's like that was a little not good. But I don't know. I like the way this team is going. I really like the fact that Emery had a better game. Um, you know, it probably helped the fact that Anthony Richardson was not even like a possibility for the most part. It seemed like they just kind of were like, we're shelving him for this game too. And I think that has helped Emery, especially the last two games. Cause he hasn't had the like threat of being pulled. So he's just been like, whatever, I got this and just going and, I don't know. Uh, the guys I follow on Gator Nation football podcast are not fans of his, and they don't think he reads the progressions that well. And I think that's his biggest problem. I, I don't know. I mean, he runs the offense well enough, and uh, you know the rushing attack is very good. You know, Florida can run the ball on almost anybody. They did it against Alabama. You know. Tennessee up until that point, up until this game had uh, like the second best rushing defense. Um, And uh, you know, it's, they, they gashed them for like 280 yards rushing, I think something like that. So it's like Florida really can rush the ball. And I think really with Emory, they do a well job because he had a couple runs of like, you know, big chunk yardage and it's, um, I do like Anthony Richardson. I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge fan of Richardson, and I know that he is someone that's going to be probably in the NFL and making a lot of money very soon. And I would love to see him out there, but 
I'm not really that mad as I not mad, but I just not, I was not as like hesitant. I'm, I'm not as like resident to the fact that uh, Emery Jones is out there. I think Emery is capable now. And I think that's what a lot of people are seeing. I think that that's what like, cause it was like, he put up 200 yards passing and a hundred yard over a hundred yards rushing. So it's like, all right, maybe he can run this offense. And like, he has looked better every game since every game he has progressively gotten better. Yeah. And it's like, okay, all right. He, he didn't have any interceptions this time. That's huge. So like no turnovers. I mean, the defense isn't getting turnovers, which, you know, that terribly sucks, but there's nothing you can do when this is Grantham's defense. And he, for what, like, I don't get that. Why do these other defenses, it looks like they're always ripping at the ball, always going to try to create fumbles or always in the right spot to get an interception. But yet some reason Grantham's defenses are never in those spots, never ripping for the ball. Like what the hell, dude? I don't understand. I'm obviously I'm not a big fan of Grantham and I, you know, I wanted to see him fired last year. I mean, whatever. I don't really want to talk about that because that just angers me and I don't really like talking about Todd Grantham, but I like what Emery's doing and I think this team is moving in the right direction. You know, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team, but, you know, who else is really this year, Ian? Who do you see really right now that is like, oh yeah, that's a really good team. Like, even Alabama. (laughs) Oregon looks beatable. Penn State looks beatable. Uh, Cincinnati looks beatable. Um, You know, Oklahoma looks beatable. They're they're all very beatable teams. Ohio State's already has one loss. Clemson has two losses. Like the door is open for Florida to, to make it this year. And even Georgia, like I know they destroyed Vanderbilt, but that was this has to be one of the worst Vanderbilt teams I've ever seen. And like you know that doesn't mean that doesn't show you anything. Destroying Vanderbilt, like got, good for you, congratulations. You know Florida has done that countless times over the years, and it's been sometimes with teams that are not the best Florida team. So like it doesn't prove anything to destroy Vanderbilt. When you play like this game coming up that we're going to talk about, that's when we'll actually get to uh, prove what is going on. But anything else of note from you from this Florida game that stands out? So from this game, from what I saw, I, the you know the biggest thing was obviously um, Emory Jones' uh, play in the offensive play. I said throughout this game, throughout the entire game, regardless of how you know you know there were some times Emory Jones threw the ball and it was in you know dicey coverage, or there was a time he didn't get the get you know hit you know the open guy. Um, but he looked like he was in rhythm the whole game. I, I did not see the you know the plays I saw in the first and second game against FAU and USF where he looked you know he was just like dancing around in the pocket and just trying to force the play. He had you know it was kind of like it was kind of like a carryover from the uh, um, Alabama game where he saw you know you know throw it in rhythm and if the guy isn't there you know nothing wrong with taking off and running uh, and that is what he did. Um, I think this was probably uh, one of his best game, either this or the, you know, I, yeah, this was probably his best game um, of the year so far. Uh, he made very good passes and that, and the times he did miss the passes, it was off like his back foot. And, and that I will say, ironically, he looked better moving in the pocket than he did, you know, staying in it. A lot of those play action pass plays where he had to boot out to the right, uh, especially to the right or just simple boot plays to the right. He looks like he, you know, was more accurate than staying in the pocket. I, I remember saying 
it's weird with him. I think he does better moving because then he does, you know, in the pocket because it's like he, it's almost like he has too much time uh, and that. But, you know, regardless, I thought he had a very good game, uh, especially the Russian attack did a very good job uh, for the Gators. Uh, Naquan Wright had a very good game um, in that. And I was uh, very impressed Malik with, you know, Davis again, Malik Davis, another great I game. Mean, Damian Pierce was three, able to hold those. You know, they, they've done a really good job of like getting all three of them involved and they're not really like doing just one back. And all three of them impress every week. They all do, you know, they're all able to get huge yard. Like their their yard per carry uh was like seven yards per carry. Like, dude, that's fucking impressive. I don't care who you are, like getting seven yards per carry. And I know Emery had a like some chunk yards as well. Oh, yeah. And 144 total. But like, you know, they're just they're doing really well. And it's, you know, the offensive line is Everyone gave them shit the last two years because Kyle Trask limited them from being able to uh, run the ball because Kyle was not like the greatest runner. And so it was much more difficult for them to be a rushing attack when, you know, they were very good at passing. But like, you know, it was kind of, you know, when you have to account for the quarterback in the rushing attack, it makes a difference. And so now that Emery is a very capable and willing runner, you know, it makes a difference when there's, you know, uh, they have to account for him. And especially, you know, the speed option and all this stuff. It's just it's going really well. The defense has some issues, but I like what the offense is doing. And, you know, we're going to talk about the game coming up, but it's just it's it's going well, but let's uh, let's move on to uh, speaking of the opponent for the their next week, uh, Kentucky, South Carolina. We both had Kentucky winning, but it turned out it was a very low scoring game. It was only 16 10. I'm not impressed with Kentucky. I don't think they're that good. Uh, they they're able to run the ball. And I guess uh, what is it today? Um Dan Mullen was asked about their receiver, uh, Wandale Robinson, I think is his name. Yes. And uh, he like didn't know his, didn't know him by name, but knew his number jersey, which a lot of coaches do that because they only look at the numbers as they're watching the, the highlights. I don't know, like some Kentucky fans got all up in arms about it. I'm just like, Dude, give me a break. But uh, no, just this game. I'm not the biggest fan of Kentucky. I don't think Levis is all that amazing. He had a good game against one of the worst teams in all of college football. And everyone was like uh, blowing smoke up his ass. And I was like, dude, do it against any other team. And he's been pretty average to terrible against all these other teams. So um, I don't think they're going to be that great, but. That's just my opinion. Uh, what did you see in this game, Ian? I saw with this one, I think this was kind of like, you know, old school Kentucky football uh, where they kind of, they, you know, they relied more on the run game because uh, that, that was pretty much, you know, what they were going to do to win the game at that point. I think they realized that early on uh, that they were just going to have to run it out, you know, keep the ball away from South Carolina um, and, you know, you know, take, you know, get the net, uh, get enough points on the board winning South Carolina definitely gave him uh, a big enough of a threat uh, to, you know, call for that upset. Uh, but I think with Kentucky, you know, the running attack has been good. Uh, 
But other than that, it did show that, you know, if you limit, you know, the rushing attack, the offense, uh, the passing attack hasn't been as effective as it was early in the year. Um, So you are probably correct where, you know, once they play tougher competition, you know, the, you know, the more pressure they're able to get on the uh, passing attack, the more one dimensional the offense becomes. Uh, I will say too, the defense did a very good job as well Um, for Kentucky, you know, kind of keeping, you know, South Carolina at bay. Uh, but I'm with you. There wasn't the most impressive win um, for uh, Kentucky, and I think anybody can agree to that. Um, but they were able to get the win. Obviously, they have their targets set on uh, this uh, Saturday's game. Yeah, uh, let's let's move on real quick to uh, two of these games. We'll do these re- relatively quick. So Nebraska, Michigan State, uh, we thought it was going to be – um, Michigan State rolling them, but Michigan State wins 23-20. Anything stand out to you real quick on this one? Um, Michigan, you know, Michigan State was able to come back. Uh, Nebraska kind of, this was a letdown for them because they had this game in their hand. Yeah. And they just they couldn't. winning, yeah. They just couldn't seal the deal. They, you know, out of all the, you know, add that to the problem of Nebraska is now, you know, they can't finish games because that game was well, you know, that was in their hands and they just let it slip away from them. Yeah. Uh, okay. And Michigan State now is like what four and zero, I think, and has has some solid victories. So yeah, four and zero. Yeah, look, look out for them in the Big Ten. Uh, okay. So uh, another one we're going to go through real quick: Kansas State, Oklahoma State. We thought Kansas State was going to win this one close, but uh, it was the other way. Oklahoma State wins thirty-one twenty. I think they might be the surprise team of the Big 12. No one was really talking about them. They were outside the top 25 until this week, and now they're back in the top 25. Very surprising. Anything that stands out to you in this game? Uh, with that one, it was more of the Oklahoma State uh, offense. Just, you know, they they were like a runaway train engine in that one, especially in the first half. I think they scored 21 points in the first quarter, um, and they had over like 31 points. You know, they had the, all their points come in the first half. And then they kind of just set it on cruise control uh, towards the end there. Cause I believe at halftime, it was like 31 13 um, in that. And they almost had 500 total yards of offense um, and that they were all also able to force uh, key turnovers when necessary. And that's so overall good win for Oklahoma state, getting that upset win on that. And then you're correct. I think, you know, Oklahoma state, depending, you know, on, you know, if they can keep this consistent level of an offense going, uh, could be a threat or, you know, an upset threat in the uh, big 12. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm definitely excited to see where they go the rest of the year. Uh, It's a, it's a good victory for them and it's a good place to be for them to start off the, the conference schedule, uh, you know, with a good victory like that. So let's move on a really big game. West Virginia, Oklahoma was actually the game that uh, um, Chris Fowler and, um, uh, God, what's his name? Freaking Bond. Kurt Herbstreit. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fowler and Herbstreit were at. So, uh, it, we thought it was going to be a little, little high scoring, but it wasn't, but it was close. And, uh, Oklahoma had to, you know, score at the end, kick that field goal to win it at the end. They only win 16, 13. So I don't know. And then there was like calls during the game. The fans were like asking for the Oklahoma's backup and like, I don't know, Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler didn't have that great of a game, but I mean, he's still not terrible. He's just not like, I don't know. He's just not, uh, not commanding the offense as best as we thought he probably would at this point, you know, which, 
is surprising, but that's just the way it is. Anything that stands out for you for this game? Other than them calling for Caleb Williams, um, which honestly I did find surprising. I, again, you want to talk about a school spoiled with offensive talent, Oklahoma is exhibit a, um, and they just got like the number two wide receiver, number one wide receiver recruit for the next year's class. So yeah, yeah, even um, but that one, it's kind of, you know, you know, first time's an accident, second or third time's a trend. And this is starting to become a trend for Oklahoma. just having these let down games that, you know, they're just playing down to their competition. Obviously Oklahoma is a good team and they are a team that should be competing for a national title and, you know, should run away with the big 12. But, you know, this is once again, another case where they just are not playing up to their competition. West Virginia really had, you know, no disrespect to West Virginia. They definitely have a lot of talent on that team. But Oklahoma just had so much more. And they this was more so of Oklahoma just keeping West Virginia in the game um, and that. And, West, and Oklahoma is honestly, you know, lucky they didn't get upset here because that whole game, they were, at, they were asking for it. They were asking to get upset. Um, Spencer Rattler, I mean, wasn't, you know, obviously wasn't a good game. But I think, you know, talent kind of prevailed in that one. Um if Oklahoma wants to stay in the top four and wants to win the Big 12 again and go back to the playoff, they need to stop at these type of games uh, because they have, you know, they if they keep doing this, eventually it will bite them. Yeah, definitely. And they're, you know, they can withstand some of this, but they're going to have to, like, make some changes, get out the sloppy play, you know, cut down turnovers, cut down, uh, you know, penalties and become a better team if they want to um, be in the playoff. But like I said, this year is one of those years. It's one of those down years where there's no teams that are really standing out. Even Alabama isn't as good as they normally are. And so it's almost open for any team. So even if Oklahoma gets one loss, they could still get in. So, um, anything is possible for them at this point, especially because they're undefeated. Okay. USF BYU. BYU wins 35-27. I was keeping track of this game, watching as much as I could as I was at the wedding I was at. And man, I'm very impressed. I'm very happy that they came back and I'm very um, uh, appreciative of what hard work they put in to get back to a one score game. You know, uh, Timmy McLean is, he's becoming a revelation. Like the kid, they knew he had talent and he had was capable. And, you know, I don't know why they just didn't start him all year. I, I guess the other kid, you know, seemed capable, but McLean, you know, because USF doesn't have an offensive line, you know, McLean is constantly running for his life. But he, he's capable, you know, he's able yes. to run away and, uh, you know, he makes plays with his legs and he's also a very capable thrower. So it's like, you know, the offense is very dynamic with him back there. The running backs were doing quite well. I think it's Mangum. Is that the guy's name? The running back? Um, uh, uh, just doing Mangum. a hell of a job. Yeah. And he's they're doing a hell of a job. The defense is not great. And they really put them in a, you know, a deep hole. You know, I think it was 21, three at one point, then it was like 28, six. And then it was like, 
35, 13 or something. It was just like, oh my God, they're not like they, but they whittled it away and they got it down to an eight point game. And then they freaking onside kicked it, which I didn't even realize they did until after the fact. And I was like, why the fuck would you onside kick it with all your timeouts and uh, like five minutes to go? Like just, I know the defense wasn't having a great game, but still like if you just like kicked it off to them, maybe you stopped them and I don't know, maybe you stop them twice or maybe like get opportunities to stop them. But it was just like they I don't know. But uh, the freaking Romney brothers, which yeah. is amazing. Especially that, Baylor Romney. <laughs> I know it's it's wild. I didn't like I didn't even realize that uh, uh, their quarterback was a Romney. I knew Gunner was there last year and I remember him, but I didn't realize that their quarterback was a Romney, too. I was like, this is hilarious. They're both, they're both pretty decent. Like they're not terrible. And, uh, you know, um, BYU, you know, should have a decent year. You know, they've, they've done quite well. I just really wanted USF to win this one. It would have been huge if they won it. Cause it would have been a signature win for Jeff Scott and they were close, man. They were very close. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens now, you know, build on this momentum, especially next week. We'll talk about that in a second, but let's, let's move on. Um, Arizona, Oregon, uh, probably closer than the score shows. Arizona was right there with them, even though they mm-hmm. won, even though Oregon won 41, 19, um, it's, it played out a lot like the Notre Dame Wisconsin game where Oregon just ran away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. I don't think Arizona is that good, but maybe it's just Oregon paint playing down to competition. Cause you know, they, you know, they played down to Fresno state, but I think Fresno state's better. And, uh, but, but they beat Ohio state in Columbus. So I don't know. I, it's tough to see what this team they're going to get tested. They'll play UCLA. They play um, uh, Stanford. And, uh, you know, they'll get some some competitive games here coming up. Uh, but undefeated, they're going to keep going. And, uh, you know, we'll see from there. Anything that stands out from you uh, from this game? Uh, for that one, it was more so the, you know, Oregon uh, – offense trying to respond of you know and taking advantage of the opportunities that were given to him because the Oregon defense actually came out they were able to get five interceptions in that game and Oregon yeah. was able to take advantage of the good field position um and that especially on the like you know I think they had like a 68 yard return for a touchdown mm-hmm. um on one of the picks um in that so that was really you know they were able to get the big momentum plays and were able to just you know run away um, towards the end there where, uh, you know, they were able to put the game away. It was definitely a lot closer than it should have been. Once again, this is, a, you know, Oregon shouldn't be, you know, keeping a game that close going into the fourth quarter, but they were able to get the job done, but hopefully they weren't and, you know, just don't do it again. And lastly, from this week, uh, from week four, uh, your upset <laughs> FAU Air Force. Yeah, that didn't it didn't turn out too well. Um, that one I was keeping an eye on. I thought with the uh, the way the offense was run by uh, Florida Atlantic, it was able to confuse the Air Force uh, one. But the thing is, with Air Force, they kind of just ran it down and wore yeah. FAU out um, at that point, and FAU just you know couldn't keep up. Uh, FAU was able to you know score t- you know score a touchdown, but at that point it was twenty four to seven, and there was just no the way Air Force run, ran the offense. 
um, is meant to keep the ball away from you. And at that point there, you know, there was no chance. I think air force had over like 40 minutes of possession time. And I remember seeing that I was like, the FAU just does not have the ability to come back from that. They don't have enough time to. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, not, it was a, you know, you were throwing it out there, you know, you never know. So like, you never know what you could do when you're throwing on an upset. Cause it's not always going to be correct. Okay. Let's move on. So that was week four. So we're going to talk about now the Heisman uh, race and then the playoff teams. I only have two people in here because I think this is the only two that really deserve to be considered for it right now. Um, I know there's other ones that are capable. I'm sure you're going to bring them up, but I just only really like Bryce Young and Matt Corral. Those are the only two I really see that um, are outstanding as far as college football and Lo and behold, they play this week. So we'll talk about that in a second. But who do you have Heisman-wise? Uh, for me, I'm actually with you. I pretty much have the same. Um, obviously, I still have Brandon Armstrong. I know they did not have a good game um, <laughs> this past week. I didn't I even mention it because it was like, I was like, uh because it, it was a terrible result, so I didn't really want to talk about it. It wasn't a yet. good result, but I do think, you know, he will be able to respond. But also, I'm adding in uh, Baylor Romney of BYU because, uh, you know, yeah. he has shown offensively, especially at the quarterback position, how consistent he can still be and be yeah. able to get those big plays to the wide receivers. Uh, very accurate, especially on the deep passes. Uh, and he's shown, uh, especially in clutch situations, how to like thread the needle in there, um, sure. especially those kind of layered passes over the top. Yeah. Uh, but I would add Baylor Romney as a, you know, someone to look out for in the Heisman. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, playoff teams. I have Oklahoma four, Oregon three, Cincinnati two, but I guess I'm kind of interchangeable with all those three, but then Alabama number one and my last two out, I have, Penn State at six and then Georgia at five. So, yeah, fuck you, Georgia. But that's just where you're at with me. Go ahead, Ian. (laughs) Uh, For me, I have Alabama at number one, uh, Georgia at number two, Oregon at three, Arkansas at four. Oh, there you go. Cincinnati at five and Iowa at six. Okay, I I didn't even mention Iowa, but Iowa didn't really have a good game against Colorado State. I just don't like their offense. Their defense is phenomenal. Like their defense, like forces turnovers and is like you know very strong. But their offense is just putrid. I'm not a fan, and I think that'll get them beat in some games because they're going to go up against a team that scores a lot of points, like an Ohio State or whatever, and they're just going to get beat. Okay. So we got a lot of games here, Ian. We're going to try to go through these relatively quickly because we've got like 23 games. Uh, But week five, look ahead. We've got, okay, speaking of your boy at Virginia, Virginia going up against Miami. Uh, Who do you got, Ian? Um, This one I'm sticking uh, with Virginia. I still think the Miami offense is still kind of helter-skelter. The defense has done trying to, you know, patch up the, you know, the holes there. But I think with the, you know, air raid kind of attack and passing attack of Virginia, I think they get their first conference win uh, and they get a surprise uh, win against uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, Do you want to do a score? Uh, Oh, yeah. I'll go with a – Let's go with a 31 to 21 victory, uh, Virginia. 31, 21. Yes. I'm thinking. All right. I don't know who Miami's backup is, um, but I think he got to play in this last game because 
Um, it was like a blowout and they were playing someone garbage, but I'm thinking that guy gets to play. I think Derek King is kind of like worn out as welcome in Miami. And, um, I'm thinking like they might go down a little bit and they just put in the backup. And I think he gives them the spark. And I think Miami wins this one. I don't know why I'm just like thinking they're up and down and this might honestly a victory in this game might save Manny Diaz is his fucking ass because he has been really trending down, but if a win here would be huge. So I'm going to say Miami 20, I'll say 31 and I'll say Virginia 28. So it'll be close. And I think Virginia is going to go up early, but then um, Miami is going to come back and win. Next game is Iowa, Maryland. Maryland has been this surprise team that we haven't even really even talked about at all because they haven't really played like big games. But uh, it's Tua's brother. Uh, I don't even know how to say his name, but it's a Tua Gavaloa. Tuga Viola. Yeah, I don't. Well, no, his first name. What is his first name? Oh, it's um. It's close to Tua. It's a very similar name. To, uh, oh, I don't yeah. know. It, it's I. I don't know for to, sure. Tulia, I think yeah, is Tulia, how you pronounce yeah, it. I think that's T- what it is. Tulia, Tulia. Yeah. It's uh, obviously you have uh, Samoan. Yeah, and and like we're not. I'm doing it a disservice by butchering it, but it's also because I haven't heard it said that many times. So it's harder for me to know for sure how to say it. So because they haven't played big teams, they haven't been like on TV as much. So you don't hear the name as much. So like if I had heard, like, obviously I know Tua, that's an easy one to pronounce, but like, and even Tua Tua Tavoa, God, I can't even say his last name now. Tagovailoa. Uh, you know, like we've all said it for a long time now, so we know how to say it. But like, you know, I don't know. It's just don't want to be the terrible human by butchering someone's name. But it's just because we haven't heard it that much. But OK, so what, what do you got in this game? Iowa, Maryland. Who who do you think is going to win this one? Um. Yeah, this is probably going to be my early upset pick. Um, oh, no. I actually think Maryland, with how the offensive run, it's very anti-Big Ten and is able to get through the linebacking core of Iowa. I think with how they air it over the top, I think Maryland will find a way to win this one in a very close kind of muddy dogfight. I'll go Maryland 23, Iowa 17. I think I was going to win this one, and it's – mainly because of their defense. I think that they're going to shut him down. And I think if they can do that, uh, they will be able to control this game and they don't need to score that much on offense. I think it's going to be like 17 to like 10 or something like that. Just because um, I don't think, I just think highly of their defense. I really do. Like as much as I'm like not a fan of their offense, I'm like the complete opposite with their defense. Like as much as I don't like their offense, I really like their defense. And, you know, when you're able to get pick sixes, get turnovers, you know, force negative plays, those are the key things you need with a good defense. And they're doing Mm -hmm. that consistently, you know, against Iowa state uh, against other big teams. Like they've done very well so far. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, wait, did they play Wisconsin already? I don't believe they did. Not yet. Are you sure? 
Um, Wait, Wisconsin played Penn State. Sorry, that's who they. Yeah, I, I knew they played someone else big. I forgot the. I thought it was Iowa, but uh, regardless, Iowa, you know, solid team right now, and you had them in their in your playoff spot too as well. So you I know, had Penn State. I had Penn State as my end of year playoff team for the Big Ten. You had Penn State. Yeah, my top four, and you're probably gonna laugh at me if you remember. It was Alabama, Clemson. Um, oh Penn no, State, I'm, I'm talking North about Carolina. now. The oh, current now, one. yes, the current. Um, yeah, yeah, your current. Before one. Yeah. they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other uh, one, I don't care about. You know, things change. Yeah, you know, everything kind of blew up. Nothing in my face. you can do. You know, like yeah, nothing's gonna be the same every year. So there's Iowa nothing State we can do about is that. one of my uh, first two out. They're uh, my number six team right now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I think I was going to pull this one out. Uh, speaking of BYU, BYU, Utah State, who do you got in this one? Uh, this one, I think BYU, with how effective the offense has been and how the defense can limit uh, Utah State. Utah State has done a pretty good job uh, with their uh, passing attack. Uh, but I still think um, BYU just has too much. I'm going to go with the Cougars. I'll go with a 38-19 to 19 win. A lot of points. Um, I don't know. I think I think Utah State loses this one, but I don't think it's going to be like a blowout. I think BYU wins 24 to 20. I think that's what it's going to be. Okay. SEC, big-time games. There's three big games on Saturday. This is the first one. It's going to be at noon. Georgia going up against Arkansas. What do you got, Ian? Uh, this one, uh, yeah, I, this is a top-10 matchup now, actually. Um, it is, yeah. It, uh, Arkansas is number eight right now. Yeah, um, I think uh, – just because of how the defense has looked, I still I'm gonna go with Georgia on this one. Uh, I think Arkansas will do will throw the kitchen sink at them. Um, I think Arkansas will put points on the board, but I think with how Georgia's defense is able to kind of control the attacking team uh, and kind of contain the passing game as well, uh, the linebacking core is very solid, and as well as the cornerback play, um, I think Georgia does enough to keep Arkansas off the board and more importantly, keep the ball away from them to prevent any big plays that Georgia is going to win this one in a bit of a low scoring affair. I'll go with a 24 to 18 uh, victory for the Bulldogs. Okay. So my important thing here is the injury report, the injury report for Arkansas, which as of Monday at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific, I was looking at the, the, the only report I found because I was looking all day. I was trying and I was looking yesterday, too. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with K.J. Jefferson and what's going on with Traylon Burks. I'm like, what's the report? Well, Sam Pittman at his, uh, uh, gave an update and he said they may not be uh, ready for practice today, which they weren't for Monday, but that they are don't think it will be a problem for the game. So they were more than likely going to play, which is I think probable is what they get listed at. So more than likely, both of them will play. Will KJ Jefferson be a hundred percent? 
That's tough to say. It was he was kind of hobbled in the game against Texas A&M, and it really changed how that offense was flowing. Mm-hmm. Their backups were capable, but not like what Jefferson brings to the table. So if he's not a full go, it changes how I feel about this game. If he is 100%, then I think they have the chance of knocking them off. And I really like Burks as well. I think Burks probably will be fine, but Jefferson is the one that really is the key. Because if Jefferson is out there uh, controlling the offense, getting the the rushing attack going, and then throwing some dimes every once in a while, uh, I think they can do it. Always depends on this injury report. It's always a huge if here. I think Arkansas wins, and I'm going to say they both play, and I think they both play well. I'm going to say Arkansas wins 28-17. And, uh, yeah, Georgia, you're going down. Sorry, buddies. All right. Uh, Wisconsin. God, I hope you're right. Yeah, I know. I hope so, too. Uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. Yeah, this is, you know, this is, a, you know, typical Big Ten game kind of defense will take the forefront here. But I think with Michigan that the rushing attack kind of gets back in stride. They're able to break through uh, the linebacking. I think this will be a very low-scoring game, but I just think Michigan does have a slight edge on offense that they're going to win this one. And a very close one, um, I'll go with a 23-14 to win uh, for the Wolverines. Yeah, I don't like Wisconsin offensively, but I don't like Michigan uh, like offensively either. Either, so I think that Michigan is only going to score like twenty points, but I think that Wisconsin is probably going to score like sixteen or seventeen points. So I'm going to say twenty to seventeen is what I'm going for. Um, okay. Next one, Louisville, Wake Forest. Interesting game. Wake Forest has looked fairly well so far. Louisville, I know one of your favorites from years past. Yep, Molly Cunningham. Uh, yeah, Cunningham. What do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about this game, Ian? Uh, with this one, I think, you know, Louisville was able to show what they could do, you know, against Florida State uh, last week. Um, I think Louisville was actually going to pull off the upset here. Uh, Wake Forest has had a very good season. They've been very effective, very effective on offense. But I feel like Louisville, uh, especially with the dual threat attack of Cunningham, will find a way to, you know, to get enough yards uh, into a good field position as well uh, and make it. I think the big thing would be uh, the field of play game. I think Louisville will have more opportunities with a shorter field to take advantage of. Uh, I've So I'm going to go with Louisville in this one. I think this will be close, uh, but I'll go – Louisville, 35, Wake Forest, um, 33. Yeah, I'm not far off from you, but I think Wake Forest is going to score less. I'm thinking it's going to be 34-24, uh, 35-24, sorry. And, uh, you know, I think Louisville is just going to control this game. They've done decently this year. They got blown out by Ole Miss, but besides that, they've looked, you know, all right, you know, so they could have like a seven, eight, one year, which is solid for them. You know, it's not terrific, but um, okay. Second big game of the SEC, Alabama going up against Ole Miss. I'm going to give my prediction first. 
I think Ole Miss does it here. I love Lane Kiffin. I love what he brings. I think he's matured as a coach. I think he finally has like figured things out and like, you know, he is not that like, he's still like brash, you know, and confident, but he's not arrogant anymore. And I think that's the difference because he was like, he was very arrogant. Like, you know, he was head coach of the Raiders, head coach of USC, he had a head coach of Tennessee. He had all this shit like given to him. Yeah. USC, Tennessee, Oakland Raiders. And he had all this stuff like handed to him at like a very young age. Like he was like, I don't know, early thirties when he was the Oakland coach. And it was just like, I think he just like had it so easy and he just thought he was going to reign supreme. And I think that really kind of, you know, once he got fired from USC, it really took him for a tailspin and he had to really figure out everything. And, um, you know, uh, going to Alabama and learning from the best coach of all time. I mean, that's just who he is saving and, you know, learning from that guy and understanding how to be a head coach. Cause they'll never, no one will ever say that Saban is arrogant or, uh, uh, like, like, you know, cocky. He's never been that, like never been accused of that. He's definitely confident and sure oh, yeah. of himself, but that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. You should, that that's something you want in a person. You want to be confident and sure of yourself because if you're not, then you're not going to be a good leader. And I think because he was able to learn from that and then he had a successful run at FAU and did quite well. And now he's at a place where you know, Ole Miss wants to be a, you know, a good football team. And they had success, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, you know, they were looking to get back to that. And I love Matt Corral. The kid is a baller, man. He is just a stud and he's going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Their offense is humming. They do the things they need to do to score. I got Ole Miss winning. I think Ole Miss is going to win like 42 um to like i'd say 27 and i i know that seems like it's a blowout but it probably isn't it's probably like Ole miss scores that last touchdown at the very end type thing something like that and you know it's uh i just i like Ole miss they played them tough last year and i think they're gonna do the same this year yeah everything in me has said you know you know, this has been like the, you know, the big upset pick of the week or pretty much for the year because of how Ole Miss played, how Matt Corral has looked this year, and especially how good uh, the offense has been humming. But if I've learned one thing about watching the SEC and watching this empire of Alabama literally before my eyes growing up is anytime you doubt or second guess Alabama, that's usually when they're, you know, this show you how good they are and how they haven't left. I really want to pick Ole Miss, but I think Alabama will win this one. I think Ole Miss will get a big enough, will get a lead in the first half, but I think enough adjustments on the defense to rein in the speed, speed attack of Ole Miss. um, And the offense is able to answer the bell in the second half. I think Alabama wins this one a lot closer uh, and comes back with a, 35 to 31 win 35 to 31 Alabama. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, 
We don't even have to do this one if you don't want to. USC, Colorado. No, I, I yeah, I can, yeah. I USC, um, between the two, I think Colorado has struggled this year. Uh, the quarterback play hasn't really been there. They've kind of relied too much on the rushing. Um, but I think USC, you know, there's just too much talent on the other side to let Colorado get the upper hand. I think it will be closer because USC is kind of in shambles. But I think USC will win this one 27 to 17. Yeah, I was one point off. I have 28-17. Yeah, I, I and look, if people that are listening to this, if you like, you know, caught the fact that I'm trying to be more USC-centric or just LA-centric with USC and UCLA, I haven't been talking to them as much about them as much because they've lost and they've looked terrible and they fired their coach. So it's kind of tough to really get excited about a team that is trending horribly down, okay? And I'm just letting you know as someone that – We'll talk about this team when they get better. It's just tougher to to bend them, put them in the forefront when they're not doing well. There's really not much to talk about except for the being a terrible playing team. So uh, tough that it's going through this, but they're getting a new coach, and hopefully it's someone that can get them out of this tailspin and bring the prestige back to this program. Okay, a team you love, Ian. We talk about them all the time. Coastal fucking Carolina going up against University of Louisiana Monroe should be a blowout. But what do you what do you expect in this game? Um, I actually don't think it's going to be a blowout. UM Monroe oh. is currently, uh, I believe they're tied for first in the Sun Belt, at least in the West Division, and I think they're going to try to hold on to that. And they have the Warhawks have a you know historically played them close. I think. Coastal will be one of those games where they kind of low to sleep, but I think, you know, with the way the offense is run with the RPO attack and Grayson McCall and Jones, I think uh, uh, Coastal is going to win this one. I'll go with a, I think it'll be a 14 to 13 game at halftime by Coastal, but they'll get the win with a, let's say 30 to 16 when uh, chance clears. Go to your chickens. <laughs> I got it 35-17. I think they're going to control the game. And uh, I guess I might be confusing this ULM team with someone else. I think that's what it is. Maybe I'm just thinking of someone different. I think it was like a maybe University of Tennessee Monroe or Martin. No, or this is like a Louisiana, the, the Warhawks. No, I know. Uh, the- that's maybe why I thought that at first. And I like, I was like, oh, wait, no, that's a different team. Because like that UT Martin team is the one that's like, that's the one that played Kentucky in the beginning of the year, right? Uh, let me yes. see. Yes, UT Martin. I, yeah, and that—that's the. T- I, okay, I was just confusing it with that. So I'm—I apologize. I did realize that ULM is a decent team, but I'm still thinking that Coastal will win this game relatively handily, just because I like Coastal that much. Okay, another huge game. Uh, a number seven versus number nine matchup. Cincinnati going up against uh, Notre Dame. I'm just going to do my rundown real quick. Uh, I'm going to say Notre Dame loses this game because Cincinnati is a better team, has a better defense, has a better offense, and they're going to win. I'm going to say 28 to 14. That's what I'm going to say it is. What do you think in this one, Ian? Um, I'm right there with you, actually, and almost score 
wise as well. I think it's going to be like that. I think the way Cincinnati calls the offense and spreads the defense out, it, one of their best features of Notre Dame has been defensive line and the linebackers. If you spread them out, you create more open opportunity for the rushing attack, and especially with a guy like Desmond Ritter who can run the ball out of the pocket. Uh, that's like free six, seven yards. I think you Cincinnati is going to win by like a thousand paper cuts. I think they're going to get those big chunk plays and get it closer and closer in a striking distance. And another thing, as I always say, they're going to try to keep the ball away from Notre Dame. Notre Dame still is, has talent on that offensive uh, side of the field. So they're going to try to keep it away from them. But I think the way Cincinnati is going to cover it, spread the ball out, open up the you know rushing lanes and get those quick kind of like pro style passes in there. I think Cincinnati wins this one with a 27 to 17 victory. There you go. Yeah, I Notre Dame will get proven the fraud that they are here. And this is what I was talking about earlier. You know, like I, I, I wanted to see them go up against a better team. And this is one of the better teams in the country. And, uh, you know, because I've thought highly of Cincinnati. I have them in my playoff uh, teams right now. So we'll see. That, and a huge win like this would do wonders for Cincinnati getting into the playoff. Like this would almost like if they went undefeated, I think this would like guarantee them a spot don't you think close it'd be the best it would be the best it would be uh, one of the best victories of the year like besides oregon against ohio state so and alabama's against florida like those that's a solid win and i don't know it'd be hard pressed to take cincinnati away from the playoff especially if they they got that win okay moving on oklahoma kansas state who do you got in this one uh, for this one, I think Oklahoma kind of wakes up. Um, they're able to get enough points on the board uh, early um, and win this game. I think the receiving attack of Oklahoma will outduel uh, Kansas State. Kansas State is definitely going to, you know, kind of run it out and air it out as they can. But I think Oklahoma will win this one. I'll go with a 41 to 20 victory for the Sooners. I got 31 24. And I just think that uh, Oklahoma is still struggling but they're going to be better than this team because they have more talent than Kansas state. And uh, you know, I'm, I don't know too much about Kansas state. I haven't really watched much more than what I watched this past week against uh, Oklahoma state. So I don't know too much about them, but I definitely know Vaughn and Brooks of Kansas state are one of their star players, uh, yeah. at least on the offensive side and the defense is on, you know, good job of trying to, you know, limit big plays. Right. And I just, I just think Oklahoma has way more talent and like they're, you know, as much as Kansas State is probably a decent team, I just think that Oklahoma will outlast them, even though it is seemed like it's closer. It may be like one of those games where it's like Kansas State scores at the end to make it a, a one-score game. Uh, okay, moving on. Ohio State, Rutgers. Uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State winning this one. And I think Ohio State's going to have a decent game, but I still think Rutgers, like, stays close to it. And it's going to be like, I'm going to think like a 34, like uh, probably 20 game. So, you know, Ohio State like comfortably wins, but Rutgers still is like, you know, still lurking in that game for the most part. What, what do you got, Ian? Uh, this one, I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, Rutgers keep the threat, you know, keep Ohio State on its toes. But I think Ohio State will win this one. Um It'll start running away probably the second and third quarter and kind of make it, you know, their game. They'll control the game at that point. I'll go with a, uh, let's say, 38-17 to 17 win for the Buckeyes. All right, next one, Oregon-Stanford. Uh, another test for Oregon. 
Do they, uh, you know, continue to play down or do they actually uh, take it to this team here? I like Stanford, uh, you know, beating USC and, you know, still competitive against UCLA. Does Oregon uh, take it to them or what do you think? What happens in this one? I think Oregon is able to take it to them based on how fast they are uh, because I think Stanford's defense lack of – ability or lack of talent of, you know, not keeping up speed wise uh, with the receiving and rushing core. I think Oregon just kind of like outlast them. They just, you know, the speed is just too much and Stanford can't catch up. Uh, I have Oregon winning this one, maybe not like a blowout win, but I'll go with the 31 to, you know, four, 14 win for the, uh, or for the ducks. I really like the Ducks quarterback. Um, I can't remember his name offhand, but he's uh, number Brown. 13. Yeah, Brown. I, I knew that was the name. I just wasn't for sure. I didn't want to say it. Okay, so yeah, he's done very well. I like him way better than that kid that was there last year that went to Texas Tech. Uh, uh, Slaw, Stoff, whatever whatever his name so, is. Slow? Or Stroh. Slow. Slow. No, it was like something weird, but like... Regardless, that kid was terrible. He was just, he couldn't throw over 20 yards. He was just not a, like, not a college quarterback. He's like a, I don't know. He's a backup college quarterback, whatever. And uh, regardless, I like Oregon in this one. I think Oregon's going to win like 40 to 20. Um, I just like to see their offense go off, but it might even be closer, almost like that Arizona game that they had last week. Okay. USF, SMU, games in Dallas. Um, I'm going to say USF loses this game, but I'm going to say USF comes close and I'm going to say like SMU wins like 34, let's say 24. And that's, Uh, that's a decent result. I'll take that result as a USF fan. What do you got in this one? Um, I'm not as hopeful. Uh, I, I think with how SMU, the defense has been for USF, it hasn't really been able to keep up with the strong passing attack. And that is what SMU has. They are an air raid type team, um, regardless of how many, you know, they will throw it deep. And I don't think the secondary is up to keep up with that for USF. Um, I think SMU wins this one and wins this one big. I'll go with a 41 uh, to 17 victory for the Mustangs. I just like Timmy McLean. I think he'll do all right. And I think, uh, you know, going forward, I like the path of what USF will be taking with this kid. And hopefully, you know, because he's a freshman, he'll bring in recruits because they're like, oh, I want to play with him. He's good. He knows what he's doing and seems like the coach knows what he's doing. So it'll hopefully bring momentum, especially with this game, you know, Hopefully they play well in it. That's all I really care about. I know they probably won't win, but I want them to play well, especially after playing well last week. Uh, Well, you know, at least at the end there. Uh, Okay. Florida, Kentucky, you know, like I said, Kentucky always loves to talk shit and say they're going to win this game. And they've only won one in the past, like 40 years. So who do you got in this game, Ian? This one, uh, this was one of my I, looking at the schedule. I said this was a trap game for Florida. Uh, Kentucky has historically played itself, and especially in Lexington under the lights, it has never been an easy game this past uh, couple of years. Um, I think this one will be kind of starting slow, and I think it will be another very close nail biter game. But I think 
Florida will make the necessary plays and stay in rhythm because the Kentucky defense is going to do everything possible to try to, you know, make Henry Jones, whoever it is at quarterback, stay uncomfortable and be out of rhythm. And I think they might be a little successful, uh, but I think they'll find a way to kind of simplify the game. Henry Jones will find a way to, you know, or whoever, again, who is that quarterback will find a way to get out of the pocket and get out of uh, attacks. And there might be one of those games where they need to get those big chunk plays of, you know, all you need is like five, six yards every play. doesn't need to be a first down or a touchdown every play. Um, and I think with the quarterback play of Kentucky not being as solid, and if Florida can find a way to just contain the passing attack, because I know Kyrie Elam is coming back, um, and the secondary can lock it up and get into the backfield and limit the rushing attack, then all Kentucky can really do is hope to contain Florida's offense. Uh, but I think it'll be a close one. Uh, but Florida will win this one. Uh, I'll go with a 31-23 to 23 win for the Gators. I really think that Anthony Richardson is going to play this game. And I think they were waiting specifically to get to this game because they knew he probably wasn't healthy enough for the Alabama game. And they were like, you know, we may lose that game anyway. So it's like, it's not worth it to lose him and lose the game and then lose him for the rest of the year. So it's like, it was not really like a good situation to put him in, in that Alabama game. Cause they could lose that game and still, still reach all their goals. They can still get to the SEC East championship and still get to the SEC championship game and still potentially get to the playoffs. So it's all still out there for him. He sat against Tennessee and they even talked about how, like, you know, they were able to sit him and Kyir Elam and, uh, you know, able to not worry as much as about the offensive line. Cause I think, uh, Stuart Reese didn't play. And I think, uh, Braun ended up starting and then like, uh, I think the Lance didn't play either. Um, so, you know, they were able to rest their guys because Tennessee is not as good. And they knew that. And they're like, they weren't as worried. They obviously are more worried about this game. It's on the road. Kentucky has been an issue, especially on the road the last, you know, 10 years. There's, we've talked about it, and I'm probably going to do an article about it, talking about the difficulties in Lexington. I just really like Anthony Richardson, man. I'm a huge fan of this kid. I love his play. He's explosive. He's probably, when he gets the time to be the full-time starter, probably going to be one of the best players that Dan Mullen will ever get to coach. And that's saying a lot considering he had a Heisman winner and a national champion in Timmy Tebow. And I really think that, I don't know. I think he can score like he'll have like two or three big plays and those two or three big plays could be touchdowns. And then, you know, those are probably the difference makers. Like Emery will probably have a solid game and you know, because Anthony comes in and like makes the plays, I really think I have my prediction as before you said yours as 34 17. I could see them scoring even more. I could see them like a 42 or a 45, but I'm just going to say 34 just because it's like, I don't know. That's the other thing is like we've talked about this before. It's like a lot of strange things happens against Lex, uh, against 
Kentucky and Lexington, you know, it's been a weird game. Every time we play up there, you know, Tebow got knocked out that one year, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what was it? The one year where um, like both plays, the Kentucky didn't cover Florida. Oh receivers. yeah. That was in 2017. Yeah. And it was like, it's just so bizarre. Some of the shit that's happened up there. I think that probably will continue, but I think Florida will still be in control of this game. And I like Florida in this one. And I'd really like to see what Anthony does. Cause I want to see what happens here. Cause like, I know that Emory has been playing better, but I still think AR 15 is going to be, he's going to be something, man. He's going to be something huge. And I, I know I sound like I'm like, Oh, you know, cause he hasn't done it yet. Like then the starter, but it's going to happen. I I'm, I'm so sure of it. And if he stays healthy, he'll be one of the best college players that we've seen in a long time. And I can't wait for that to happen because it will be, it'll be freaking huge. Like when it happens, but that's what will be crazy. Okay. Let's move on. Let's do these last ones really quick. Okay. Texas A&M, Mississippi state. Who you got in this one? Uh, this one, I think Texas A&M will be able to control the ball um, and keep the ball away from Mississippi State because that is their best asset is the offense. Um, Texas A&M, I think, will win this one. Mississippi State will keep it close based on how they are as a second-half team in their air raid offense. Uh, but I got the Aggies winning this one 27-20. I think uh, I like Mississippi State in this one because I still don't like that quarterback. What is it? Car Carl Dowza, how do you say his name? Cardoza. It's a it's a it's another one yeah, of those tricky names. I think it's like an Italian Cal- name. Carl Carl Calzada. I think Calzada. Yeah, Calzada. Calzada. So he um he's just not very good, and uh, their starting quarterback he's he's all right, but he's just been hurt. I don't think he comes back until after this game. So I think they lose this game as well. So I got uh, Mississippi state 31, 24 next one, Baylor, Oklahoma state. Who do you got in that one? Uh, This one, I'm going to take the uh, Cowboys in this one. Um, I just think of based on uh, the offense um, and how they've, uh, Oklahoma State is able to run it, that they're able to contain Baylor. Baylor has been able to get those big plays, but I think Oklahoma State will be able to contain that and get their big plays of their own. I think it will be another high-scoring close game, but I'm going to take Oklahoma State in a 38-34 to win. 38-34? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, Penn State, Indiana. Who do you got in this one? Uh, this one was like a marquee matchup until the season started. Uh, but I think Penn state controls this game and they kind of wear down, uh, the Hoosiers defense, uh, maybe not the most impressive win, but I'll go with the 27 to seven win for the Nittany Lions. 27 to seven. Yes. For the Nittany Lions. Wow. You don't think Indiana's going to score at all. I, 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 I just won. think of how inconsistent the offense has been for Indiana. Um, especially because Penn State's defense has been able to show up in the big play. Um, it's just going to be too much of a problem for the Hoosiers. I, uh, I, I really liked Indiana last year. It was one of my favorite teams watching them last year doing what they did. Um, they beat Penn State at the last second in that overtime or whatever. I know it was a crazy finish. I can't remember what happened. But, uh, but regardless, I know Penn State probably wants revenge. I'm going to go with Indiana. I'm just feeling it. It's just, you know, every once in a while you're like, I don't know why, but this is just what I'm going to choose. I'm going to say Indiana wins a close one, 31-28. Okay. Clemson, BC. Who do you got, Clemson, BC? Uh, This one, both teams went into overtime. I think 
I'll kind of take it a step further in my prediction. I think this game will actually go into overtime again, and Clemson survives another loss. I'll go with a game-winning field goal by the Tigers, a 24-21 to 21 win by the Tigers in overtime. <laughs> Yeah, I have a similar score. I have 24-20, so I'm one point off. But, yeah, we're we're definitely along the same lines. And I think uh, Clemson's going to win this one and get back to winning ways. Okay, speaking of Tigers, two Tigers, Auburn, (laughs) LSU, one of my favorite all-time games. I love this game back in the 2000s. It was just... One of the games I watched in the 2000, like 2006 was probably one of the best defensive games I've ever seen. And it was seven to three. And people like make fun of that score sometimes. But when you're like really good defense and you're like the tackling is amazing, amazing. That's when it's like enjoyable to watch defense when like, you know, the the defense is just nasty on both sides. And it really was back in the day. Now, not as much. LSU's defense is kind of eh. And Auburn, I don't really know. Every once in a while, they'll have a good D. But, um, you know, Auburn has two losses. LSU has a loss. So there's not really much national pub about this one. Uh, What do you got for this one, Ian? Uh, This one, um, I will go with the Tigers winning. Uh, I want everybody to figure, yeah. (laughs) Never never heard that joke before. Um, So, not being a smart ass here. Um, this one, I think as much as inconsistent and controversy has been at the quarterback, I think because Auburn's offense is more balanced based on passing and rushing unlike the LSU where they've had to rely on Johnson's passing throughout most of it. I think Auburn will win this one in a bit of a tight one, uh, but I'll go with the 28 to 17 win for the Tigers. I think LSU is going to win. I just like LSU more. I, you know, Bo Nix is terrible. You know, Bo Picks, Mo Picks, whatever his nickname is. He's just just not a good quarterback. I don't know if Finley's going to come in or what's going to happen, but um, I like LSU more. I think LSU is going to win 34-24. Their offense played decently against Mississippi State, and Mississippi State doesn't have a terrible defense, so I like LSU in this one. Okay, last two real quick. Arizona State, UCLA, who do you got in this one? Uh, UCLA, I think, will win this one. I think they'll win it big. Um, Sun Devils um, kind of been sputtering, especially offensively uh, in that one, Uh, but I think with uh, Carbonoa, um, and Thompson at quarterback. I think UCL wins DTR. this one. Now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> precisely. I, I got, uh, I think I'll give, uh, UCLA the nod in this one. I'll go with a big one of 42 to 17 win for the Bruins. Oh, wow. That's a stomping. Uh, I'm not too far off. I'm 34 20, but, uh, I just think Arizona state will be pesky and uh, UCLA will just get their points because they're, they've got a good offense, you know, they can move the ball, but I think Arizona state will stay in the game a little bit. Okay. Last one real quick. Fresno state of Hawaii. Who do you got in this one? Uh, Fresno state. I'm going to give the win to this one because Hawaii's defense has struggled throughout most of the season. Um, I just don't think they'll be able to keep up with the Bulldogs. Um, I'm going to go with Fresno state, probably another big one. I'll go with a 35 to 16 win uh, Fresno state. I had 35-22, not far off. So, yeah, Fresno State will win this. I just like them right now. And Hawaii, I don't know too much about. But Fresno State, yeah, definitely, you know, Henner, the the quarterback is very good. Their offense can move the ball, and uh, they'll put up points. So, yeah, 35-22, I got that one. So, that is the show, everybody. Uh, You can reach us at haterradio.com. You can reach us at... Uh, Twitter and Insta uh, at at hater underscore radio for both of those. Um, Ian, what are your socials as well? 
Uh, yes, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are G underscore Gator underscore G. Okay, that's the show, everyone. Uh, watch these games. A ton of huge games. Like I said, we went over 23 games, so there are plenty of good games this week. You know, three huge SEC games, uh, the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game, some uh, Big 12 games, and some Big 10 games. So definitely, like, take your time. Enjoy this weekend. Uh, enjoy it, because I'm, I'm sure going to. All right. Everyone take care. We'll see you next week. Take care.